Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 109 of In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports. I am Zach Kroll, along with my co-host, The Real Lil, and today we are here on In the Huddle going over each of the most polarizing, interesting, fascinating topics in all of sports. We have so much to discuss today around the NBA. We have some football. We have some debates. We have some uh, discussions about some series going on in the NBA, the Eastern Conference Finals, the Western Conference Finals, both series, uh, both very much up at grabs. Uh, and then we have uh, Kevin Durant in the news, which we're going to get to in a little bit, and also some football talk. Loaded show. Will, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. I can't complain at all. I just want to shout out, you know, a few people here on this show, including my cousin, whose show just went off air, the Freddie System. You know, I'm, I'm proud of him. I, I see him doing his thing. And it's making Can You Dig Sports a very, very pleasant sight, you know, because this is something that is, you know, just launched. So the fact that we got committed people, him, yourself, Zach, me, I mean, at the end of the day, we're only going to grow once more people come on. And I'm just like excited for the future. So shout out to my cousin. He's always doing a good job. And I know what we bring to the table as well. So we in good hands for those of y'all listeners here on Can You Dig Sports Radio. And once again, we got another episode full of insight, full of debates, and guess what? I ain't ready to go. We got a lot on our plate. Let's eat. Absolutely. Let's get to it. Episode 109, topic one. The Los Angeles Clippers earned the game three home victory, 106 to 92 over the Phoenix Suns. With that win, the Suns will go into game four with a two to one series lead. And Lil, that was a pretty good game last night. Yeah. You have been our Clipper supporter on the show over the last couple rounds. What was your biggest takeaway from the game last night? Uh, my biggest takeaway of the game last night is that, how can I say it? We It's something that I already know. We're going to be in for a long series. And I believe the series is going to go seven. I have the Suns in seven because I'm going to give them that home court advantage. But there's a few things here. The reason why I think it's going to be a long series is because I feel like we have to give credit to Tyron Lue. I see all in the playoffs, Nate McMillan. Uh, Monty Williams, great coaches, great coaches, by the way, definitely worthy of praise. But I don't feel like Tyron Luke gets that same respect the way how he's able to adjust. He reminds me of Bill Belichick in a sense that Bill Belichick always has a plan. You're never going to beat Bill Belichick the same way twice. We saw it in Super Bowls, that's why he had six rings. We saw it with Nick Saban in college when he took out his starting quarterback in the national championship game and put a backup there. Their ability to adjust is what I see in Tyron Lue. And the fact of the matter is, if you look at Tyron Lue's track record and how he was down in 0-2 um, in series before this year, how he was down 3-1 against the Warriors in the finals and how his team was able to come back. LeBron James gets all the credit for that. But at the end of the day, it starts with coaching. And what Tyron Lue is doing this year is something that Doc Rivers didn't do last year, which, which was to learn how to adjust. And he still didn't haven't got it right on the 76ers. That's why they're on the couch right now or in Cancun somewhere. So Tyron Lue's ability to adjust the defense, um, the, the Clippers, you see Tyron's man, uh, man over there, great defender, especially yesterday. Pat Beverly, he gets in your skin. He reminds me of one of those rugged boxes. If I had to compare him to a boxer, it would be Sean Porter because he's not the most talented boxer, but he knows how to get in your skin. He's very rugged. He's very physical. And that's what I see in Pat Beverly, the way how he dies for balls, the way how he's very, very in your grill, you know? And once again, bro, I just think that Tyron Lue's ability, ability to adjust 
the way how they defend, the way how if you needed a basket other than Paul George, we have Reggie Jackson over there, aka Bobby Schmurder, getting his buckets. So you know what, man, bro, I think it's gonna be a long series, and I won't be surprised if it goes seven. Yeah, so a couple really good points there. I agree with you on Ty Lue, and I think that when we look back at that Cleveland Cavalier team, uh, if you remember, like Ty Lue didn't even take over as the coach until like halfway through the season, and he got that team to win the championship, the three-one deficit, all that. LeBron, as you said, usually gets the credit. And he was an assistant for the Clippers last year under Doc Rivers' staff. And he gets the gig this year. And not going to lie, there were a lot of people in the media who kind of made fun of it. Like Ty Lue, that's the guy who LeBron just rode to a title who Allen Iverson stepped over back in the day in the NBA Finals. Like, why is that guy getting the job? But at the same time, like, you ha- like a lot of people these days are really focused on analytics and numbers and even just players and, like, what teams look like on paper. But when I watch the Clippers, it really just shows me something that they are 3-0 and in Game 3s when they have lost the first two games in each of the first three rounds. Like That just shows me that they are a mentally tough team that isn't afraid to do anything, and that's really impressive. Like Chris Paul was back in the Suns lineup last night. I know Devin Booker wasn't 100%, but he played. He was wearing the mask, and DeAndre Ayton just keeps on getting better and better and better. But at the same time, the Clippers do deserve a lot of credit for the win last night. With that being said, I think last night was a game the Clippers really had to have. So they played desperate. They deserve a lot of credit. The question is, can they match that same level of intensity in game four without Kawhi Leonard? It's looking like, do you, do you expect him to play in the in these playoffs at all? I have the feeling. No, that- I, I think he's done. I think they're trying to hide something. They might as well just come out to the public and say he's done for the year instead of having these fans had their hopes up. You know, watching him in the press box, why is he not? I mean, I know he's a simple guy and he's not all about being seen or whatever, but I think he's done. Yeah. So I think when you look at the Clippers, like they deserve credit for winning game three, but that was the first game the Suns have lost since game three of the Lakers series, the first round. And the crazy thing about the Suns was that prior to last night's game, that Laker game, game three in the first round, was the last time they had a fourth quarter deficit. So that means they went three straight games against the Lakers and then four straight games against the Nuggets. And then the first two games this series against the Clippers, that would be nine games in a row without losing in the fourth quarter. That's impressive. So that tells me they were due for a bad game and the Clippers took advantage and they deserve credit for that. But I think, as I said uh, last week, Phoenix, or last episode, I should say, uh, Phoenix, I believe in them. I really do. I think the Clippers and the Suns game four, it's going to be a close game. But my, I just keep coming back to the question, can the Clippers match that same level of intensity like they did last night? Paul George is out here hitting half-court shots, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. He played great. Uh, But can he do it again in game four? I was a little bit disappointed in Monty Williams last night. And... I'm not going to argue with your point. I I think this game four is a 50-50 game. I give respect to the Clippers. Like I said, I'm picking the Suns to win the series. But I have so much respect for Tyron Lue and what he has been doing and his ability to adjust why I have game four being 50-50 because I know the Suns are a great team. And I know the Suns basically lost themselves that game last night because it was a very slow-paced game. And I was saying to myself, why when CP3 is out, for about nine days or whatever, however long he was out, why is he starting? 
why not why mess something up that's not broke why not have Cameron Payne start tomorrow's yesterday's game have him start and ease CP3 back into the game because the game was he came in there with slow pace it was not a lot of fast pace and ball movement obviously the ball moves with CP3 but it's slow pace if you have Cameron Payne starting especially with a guy that was out for a couple days he gets to the basket his athleticism I thought you should have started him like that and then have CP3 gradually you know get back into form because he started he was sluggish you know he was out for for that long how you can't expect him even though he's cp3 to come in there and make an immediate impact scoring the basketball now i know he does much more than scoring but you need that scoring boost when you have booker who was struggling yesterday when you look at booker's stats yesterday it was abysmal i mean this guy was literally five for 21 and the last game before that game two he was five for 16. so credit goes to the clippers defense but I think that Monty Williams should have started Cameron Payne last night. That was before he got hurt, that is. And that's why I think that kind of messed him up. Also, there was a couple calls that I think went against the Suns. I don't think the Suns get, got their fair shares of calls yesterday. I'm not trying to be on the conspiracy side. I just thought that there was some and ones that should have been called that wasn't called. And that's just what it is. I mean, you lose game three, you know, you protect home court. Now try to get game four and we'll see what happens. So I've been pretty... Uh, solid on the opinion that I really believe in the Suns team. But with that being said, the Suns are an all-time great play away from being down 2-1 to in the series. And the Clippers have a real shot here. Like, they really do. And a lot of people uh, don't like to talk and hype up the Clippers' home court because we all know it's a Lakers town. They're the second team in town. And last night there were, I, I don't know about you, but I thought there was a decent amount of yeah, was. fans there. But look, the Clippers win at home. They've been taking care of business. They deserve credit for that. And can they keep the momentum going? That is going to be the big question going into game four. Do you have an official game four prediction? That's tough. I want to go with the clip. I want to go with the Suns. That's what I want to go with. But I, I think that the Clippers, I think the Clippers win. I think they tied up 2-2. I have it going seven. So I kind of have to stay in the lines of, of it going well, seven. What do you think? I mean, what do you? I, I just like honestly, who do you think is going to win? Because for me, I I really don't know. I, I keep on going back and forth. Right now, I, I think Clippers. Slight lean to the Suns. I think I give the slight lean to the Suns, but it's really I, like of all the games in the playoffs so far, I think this could be the one I'm looking forward to the most. It's going to be good. That one is tomorrow night, Saturday night. It should be good. And that's what I like this year about basketball. The fact that me and Zach cannot predict the game four. We literally, oh, Clippers, Suns. And that's what I want to see more of. We haven't really got this in the last couple of years. We knew who was going to win each series because of the power structure and the super teams. But the matter is, the fact of the matter is, Kevin Durant is out. LeBron James is out. You have four good teams that I feel, and I'm going to get to the second game later on in the show, I feel we in for we in for a good treat as as an NBA fan, and we complained the last couple of years. We complained the whole entire year prior to the playoffs because there was a lot of blowouts, a lot of injuries. We have to be happy with the product that we are receiving right now in the NBA. But I would slightly give the advantage to the Clippers because they're at home. But it would not shock me at all if the Suns win because both teams are coached well. Monty Williams knows how to adjust as well. So you th you think about CP3 getting his feet wet, Booker? I don't think Booker could get any worse in these last two games, and they almost well, won the last game. So it's gonna be close. That's a question I have. 
do you think that uh like the the nose issue like do you think that could really affect him and that could be a thing going forward in the series because that could be you know that that's tough for some people man he hasn't worn a mask ever he's been playing basketball for his whole life it's probably the first time he's ever had to wear a mask like that i'm not saying that he's not going to ball out he obviously has been terrible the last two games uh, i expect him to be better but with chris paul being banged up i don't want to say banged up but just coming back from COVID, he's gonna be a little rusty campaign is banged up like the more I think about it, man, the Clippers are right in this series, man. They have the Suns very vulnerable right now. And if they win game four and they could just somehow, some way, find a way to win in Phoenix, they could do it, man. They absolutely could do it. I think that right now the national uh, perspective is that the Suns are pretty much a, a lock to win this series. And I would pick them to win. But, like, I think the Clippers have a real shot because Phoenix is kind of getting banged up before we know it. And to your point about Devin Booker and that mask, I think that it affected him in this game. I'm not sure if it's going to affect him going forward because we as humans, we adapt. You know, sometimes it takes a while. Pandemic happens. We had to adapt to society. We did within less than a year. We adjust to the new normal. So in that instance with the mask, once he get used to playing with it, um, let's say a couple more games, let's say the next game, he should be better than the first game. I think he'll be just fine. I just think it is the credit has to go as well to Pat Beverly's defense. I think he's making it hard for Devin Booker, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he will bounce back at some point in the series. You are listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports, the request line one eight three three radio bx And Lil, we'll be moving on to the next segment of today's show as Kevin Durant, he has fired back at Scottie Pippen by saying... Didn't the great Scottie Pippen, Pippen refuse to go in the game for the last second shot because he was in his feelings? Uh, his coach drew up the play for a better shot. And Kevin Durant and Scottie Pippen, they've been fighting back. They've been firing bullets at each other over the last couple days. And we decided that this made some noteworthy content for us to discuss. And I'm actually going to start uh, this segment off. And I will say this. I think that when we look at Kevin Durant, he's one of the more challenging players to rank all time because we know how gifted of a basketball player this guy is. We saw that on display in that Buck series. Like both you and I agree that right now Kevin Durant is the best basketball player in the world and he Absolutely. is just so impressive in terms of the tough shots that he can make. But your talent on the basketball court, as talented as someone is, that doesn't always equal wins. And that doesn't always equal being the best of all time. Just because you're talented, you need to show leadership qualities. You need to show your team that it's possible for you to face adversity and for you to come back. And Kevin Durant has showed multiple times throughout his career that, you know, he could put his team on the back on his back, but at the same time, he didn't win this Buck series. And at the same time, like with the Warriors, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they were all there. And I think Kevin Durant, right, when he left Oklahoma City and when he went to Golden State, I think that he expected to win a couple titles in Golden State like he did. But I don't think Kevin Durant expected for everyone to hate him as much as everyone did for that decision. And as a result of that, no one really gave those two titles that he won in Golden State any real recognition he beat up on a lebron and really no one else Cavs team we know what happened with jr smith in that game like kevin durant uh 
I think he's one of the more challenging uh, players to rank all time. I think Scottie Pippen is going a little bit over the line when he's talking about KD as a player right now. Like, I love LeBron. He's probably the second best basketball player I've ever seen. But right now, when you watch a 37-year-old LeBron James and you watch Kevin Durant play against the Bucks, I don't know how you, your eyes could tell you that LeBron's a better player. Like, I just think Kevin Durant is the best basketball player in the world. So it's a very uh, tough subject. You have to be sensitive to it. You have to be very specific to it. But I'm curious for your thoughts, man. What do you think? Uh, well, first of all, the fact that Scottie Pippen came out and had some comments about KD that could be deemed as negative, we all had to expect that Kevin Durant was going to respond. The internet man himself. All right, I could say something today and get Kevin Durant's response in two hours or probably an hour. That's how Kevin Durant is. I don't know how the hell he has all the time in the world to be on social media. But as far as Scottie Pippen's comments, I think that his point is that LeBron James affects his team's success more because he's able to get other teammates involved, whereas Kevin Durant is more of a bucket getter. You know, so I, I can see I see where he's coming from. But at the same time, I think that Scottie Pippen is being a little bit unfair at the same time. Even though I see where he's coming from, and one can argue he's not lying, I still think he's being unfair because let's come back to the Nets here. The coaching. What 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 how much percent of what happens have to do with the coaching? Because these guys was just running up the floor, taking their own shots. There wasn't no ball movement going on. It was just guys taking their own shots, literally. And when you look about, when you think about Joe Harris and these role players, right? They're, of course, they're going to be out of a rhythm. Joe Harris didn't wake up one day and decided he was going to be ass one day. He didn't wake up and, and decided, I'm going to be ass today and I'm going to be Brick City. He had to be in rhythm. When Kevin Durant has the ball in his hands and Kyrie Irving is, is ISO and James Harden is ISO, these other guys is going to be out of rhythm. They're going to be out of touch. So the fact of the matter is, what I saw with the Brooklyn Nets was the same thing I saw with the Clippers of last year. Guys, Kawhi Leonard taking his own shot, setting his own offense up, and the same thing over here with Brooklyn. So I think some parts of it has to do with the coaching, and I think that Scottie Pippen is being unfair to that. Even though I get his point, LeBron James, he doesn't need the, a coach to draw up a play. LeBron James has all the experience in the world. He knows how to get guys involved. He, he will dish that rock. He will not take a shot like Kevin Durant took at that game. And sometimes it, it comes back to haunt LeBron James because everybody expects him to be Michael Jordan. But sometimes that's not how you win. And, and it, it's a dicey situation. But as far as Scottie Pippen, I'm on Kevin Durant's side here. Because at the same time, Scottie Pippen, we all know that Kevin Durant will put it all out there on the floor. When you talk about you didn't like a play, you sat there on the bench because the last play was a joint up for you. It was a moment, I forgot what injury this brother had, but he had a nagging injury that, you know, anybody would play through. He didn't want to go in the game. We saw Kevin Durant almost with a torn Achilles before his Achilles was torn in the finals against the Raptors, hopping on one leg, hooping on one leg. So, yeah, we can sit here and criticize Kevin Durant, and I'm not saying everything Scottie Pippen is saying is not factual, I can see where he's coming from, and I somewhat agree with it. I just don't think he should have been the messenger here. Here's the other thing. I think a lot of people forget that 
uh, devastating Achilles injury to Durant. That was only two years ago. Like, that wasn't that long ago. Usually, it shouldn't be that easy for a player to suffer that bad of an injury and just come back, and it literally has no effect on him whatsoever. Like, have you watched Kevin Durant for a second this season and been like, oh, his Achilles is bothering him. Like, he clearly doesn't look the same. Like, nope. Like, he's that good. He's built differently. And that's why I think he's the best basketball player in the world. But let me ask you this, Will. Like, when it comes to Kevin Durant and his all-time status, where do you lean for? Like, you don't have to go into full detail, but a comparison uh, a lot of people have brought up is, like, Kevin Durant and Larry Bird. If you look at their numbers, if you look at their resumes, they're both really similar. But do you think that the titles that Kevin Durant won with the Warriors, like, do you value them less considering what was around them and who we beat? Yeah. I mean, at, at some point, I do. I'm not going to lie. I do hold it against Kevin Durant. And I know one can argue that he drove the bus basically once he got on that team. And, and that's a fair argument. I mean, he came on the team. He's the one that took those final shots in LeBron's face. But at the same time, bro, situation always matters. And Kevin Durant has was born into a lifestyle where he has he had everything at his disposal. The, he was drafted by a great organization in the Thunder. I don't think the Thunder get as much credit as they deserve for their organization and how they run their organization. He was playing with Russ. He went to the Warriors, like you alluded to, played with Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, guys that won MVP, a guy that won MVP, a team that won 73 games a year before. I do think that is going to haunt him because there's other talented players who played with less, who is still going to be ranked in that top 10. And we're going to sit there and say, well, he didn't have a Kevin Durant roster, you know? So I do think it's going to hurt him at some point. But we all know he's so talented that he's going to be top 10 of all time, no doubt about it. He's already top 10 of all time. It's, as it's funny. Today. Wait, wait. It's funny because I don't think – I'm not – I agree with you, but I don't think that's the common opinion uh, around NBA media just because there are plenty of fans that literally look at Kevin Durant's resume and say he doesn't have a real title. And they're going to look at that game against the Bucks, and as great as he was the whole series, that air ball, like, they're, they're going to hold that against him. If LeBron was – if that was LeBron and, and he missed that shot, everyone would be, you know, making fun of him. Everyone would be mad at him. And it's interesting. It's an interesting argument because, look, I think two titles are two titles and two finals MVPs are two finals MVPs. Everyone hates on Steph Curry because uh, Iguodala got that one finals MVP and KD got the other two. But at the same time, like, I don't understand how if you watch Kevin Durant, your eyes aren't just drawn to that guy every time he touches the basketball. He is just so fun to watch. I want to reflect back to Scottie Pippen's point because it just dawned on me. Scottie Pippen should know better than anybody that coaching matters. The way how Phil Jackson ran that triangle, they had a set of ball movement. Before Jordan got Phil Jackson, it was the offense was Jordan-centric. It revolved around Jordan, and he didn't win when that happened like that. But when the ball started moving, moving and you have Phil Jackson you know, running the offense, having some ball movement is when Jordan won his championship. So in this situation with Steve Nash, where was the ball movement? Was the ball moving around or was it in Kevin Durant's hand? So Scottie Pippen should know better because he know his Batman that he played with didn't win until he came around and know that better than anybody. Okay, so let me ask you this then. If you're the Nets, are you concerned about Steve Nash as your head coach going into the into next season? I didn't like the high in the first place. 
I was one of the minority. I thought people lost their mind. I was the only one that I knew that came out, right? As far as people that we know and we associate with and we cool with. And generally the media public, they like the hire. I was the one that came out and say I didn't like the hire because okay. he had no coaching okay, experience. But, okay, but point is, point being is he's the, gonna be the coach next year, right? He's not yeah, getting pretty fired. much. He ain't getting fired. Right. So if you're the Nets, are you concerned that yeah. you could win a title with him? Because dude, I'm not gonna lie, like Mike Budenholzer. That, that, I'm, not not a, a I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of uh, Mike Budenholzer, but Steve Nash was not good in that uh, series either. He had a timeout wait that he didn't use in that uh, game seven. Um, I don't necessarily know why he burned out his whole team playing Kevin Durant the whole game when literally uh, they at, at various points it was clear to me that the Bucks were just the better team that night and the Nets really didn't have a shot to win. And I think ultimately Kevin Durant just ran out of gas in that game seven and that's what cost him. And I think that's what Scottie Pippen is using, to be honest, as some fuel. And look, bro, that's why I'm I'm nervous about the Nets. When we had our conversation and you were saying, oh, we don't have to be worried. The Nets, they had the, the, the three stars. They're going to be fine next year. I'm worried because I feel like when you look at Steve Nash, he's under that Mike D'Antoni branch. What do we know about Mike D'Antoni? He wants his players out of gas. When James Harden had the ball in his hands and the offense revolved around James Harden, he didn't have nothing left in the playoffs. And I see the same thing going on with Steve Nash, not going deep into his bench like my cousin, Freddie Systems, out there him alluded to. And it's going to it's gonna have an effect on At the team same because time, his other role players is going to be cold. And when you're going to need a Joe Harris to hit a three, when you're going to need these other guys to, to make some shots, you can't just call on them when you haven't called on them the last couple of games before. They're going to be cold. Yeah, I think at the same time, though, I think in the Bucks series especially, like, what killed the Nets so much was literally once Kyrie went down and once it was clear that Harden wasn't 100%, they just did not have enough guys to make shots. You saw Jeff Green have that one sick game, but he was really nowhere to be found after that. Blake was all right. I think the Nets' main focus going into next season needs to be building a better roster around the big three the best they could. Because remember, there was a time, oh, they get – uh, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, it's unfair. Like, this team is just literally unbeatable. I remember you did a segment on it. The, the buyout market is ruining the NBA. And it is not that easy to win a championship team uh, and put a championship team together. So it's not that easy. And uh, between Brooklyn's question mark at head coach, between their question mark at size, I'm going to be curious to see how they address that in the offseason. You're listening to In the Huddle Sports Radio on Can You Dig Sports, the request line, uh, 1833-RADIO. And Will, after some basketball talk, it is time to get into the NFL. And as the NBA season is winding down, we still obviously have the NBA finals, still obviously have the conference finals uh, winding down. But that means that football is just getting closer and closer and closer. And you guys know that's where we cook on In the Huddle. So, we have an interesting question on the table for you guys today that we're going to discuss. And I had a thought the other day that over the last couple of years, like we've seen a decent amount of quarterbacks, whether they deserve it or not, get paid that second contract. And there are a couple guys coming up, uh, whether it's this offseason, next offseason, just in the future in general, there are going to be some guys that are eligible for that contract. And I think this is a really interesting topic because I think of all of the quarterbacks on the table, you can make an interesting point to pay some of these guys. 
you can make an interesting point not to pay some of these guys. And the two guys for uh, Will and I that really stood out were Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. And the question we put on the table was that if you are an NFL GM, who would you rather sign to a contract extension right now, Baker or Lamar Jackson? And I'm actually going to start this one off, Will. I think the answer to this question for me would actually be Lamar Jackson. And it's interesting because part of the reason why I respect the Ravens and Lamar Jackson so much is that a couple years ago when they drafted him, the league was clearly moving in a direction towards passing and the quarterback just passing the ball down the field, whether it was down the middle of the field, on the perimeter, and the league was just really shifting towards that passing model. And the Ravens decided to zig when everyone else zagged, and they legit built their offense around this guy. And over the last couple of years, unfortunately, it's been proven that right now, the way the Ravens team is built, they can't win in the playoffs with Lamar Jackson, but the key term is the way their team is built. I think the Ravens have done a good job so far committing to this guy because let's face the facts. Before Lamar Jackson was the quarterback of the Ravens and Joe Flacco was looking washed, they were an irrelevant team that was doing nothing. And Lamar Jackson really turned their culture around. Like, he saved them. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And, yeah, he has his flaws. Like, he needs to be a better passer. He needs to be a more accurate passer. He needs to win in the playoffs a little more. But if I'm the Ravens, I need to prioritize – making sure that he is my quarterback long-term and that we're building the right team around him so that we can succeed. Because I will admit, right now, the way they're built, I don't think Baltimore could win a Super Bowl. I think they need more offensive playmakers around this guy. But that doesn't mean that in the future he can succeed as the quarterback of the Ravens. Will you and I both know sometimes in order for a quarterback to win that Super Bowl, it could take some time. I want to comment on Baker Mayfield really quickly before I throw it over to you. Baker Mayfield had a really good season last year, and he deserves credit for that. But the key point is this. Two seasons ago, when Freddie Kitchens was the coach of the Browns, right, that Browns team was such a clown show, and they never had a chance at winning that, okay, the Browns bring in Kevin Stefanski, and he really relied on Baker Mayfield to not do so much on the field, but to just be a leader off the field and to stay out of the media, to stay out of the hype, to just keep quiet and focus on his game. And he deserves credit for that, man. He had a really good season last year, and he was getting better as the season went on. But with that being said, I just think Baker needs to prove a little bit more until he gets that contract extension. I think that Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield, in the end, it's very likely that's going to be the right quarterback-coach combination that gets Cleveland as far as they want to go. But at the same time, if I'm Kevin Stefanski, right, this season – I'm really prioritizing uh, calling a little bit more of an aggressive offensive play calling style. I'm relying on Baker to make a little bit more throws because I want to see if this guy is able to make those big tight window throws in crunch time in a big game. And the Browns won a playoff game last year. Like he deserves credit for that. But if you remember that game, Lil, the Steelers just crapped the bet early. The Browns were up big and they almost blew it. And once again, they deserve credit for that. They deserve credit for almost beating the Chiefs, but Patrick Mahomes was hurt. And I'm just going to say this. Once again, I I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. The Browns' schedule last year was not good. They took advantage of an easy schedule. And even though they deserve credit for that, I just want to see a little bit more, especially from the quarterback, which is why, for me, 
I'm paying the guy who won the MVP in Lamar Jackson. Quick question here. Is this a question about if you were a GM, who would you rather like sign to an extension if I had the option? Or is it should who should be signed first if you was a GM? Who do you think should be signed first? Because that's going to determine the route. Um, I mean, I, explain both sides. If you were an NFL, okay, if you were the GM of the Ravens, or if you were the GM of the Browns, like, would you? I guess the question is, would you want to sign both of them this offseason? If you were the Ravens GM, and if you were the yeah. Browns GM, would you want to sign them now or later or not at all? You sign both of them now. I think, matter of fact, I'll even go as far as saying you get the Baker Mayfield deal first out the way. And the reason why is not because I think Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. I just don't want another Dak Prescott Cowboys situation on our hands because Dak Prescott, we already know when he was on the Cowboys that they waited. They waited for him to get paid and they waited a whole nother year. And you know what happened? They allowed Dak to play out his final year's contract, right? Extending him instead of instead of paying him $30 million, right? They ended but up what, having to pay $160 million for what years. What kind of contract are you paying talking? It. Like, what kind I'm of contract? Baker Mayfield. Well, I know, like, numbers-wise. Like, what are you talking? Because there's a difference between if him and his agent comes up to you, if you're the Browns, and is like, oh, we just want a $30 million deal for, like, the next three years. Or are you talking, like... Because he's it's cheap now. No, I get Baker it. Mayfield, no, I understand. He, no, I understand. Paid, right, I get Hold on, hold on. I, get I understand it. my point. If you, What I'm saying is that if you're a GM, right, who I think should get paid first... It's Baker Mayfield, not because I think he's a better quarterback than Lamar. It's because I don't want to pay top dollar for Baker Mayfield because he has a lot to prove. And if we wait and have him play out this year as a prove-it year and he proves that he's an actual good quarter, a decent quarterback, then you're going to have to pay him more. And I'm the type of person I like to economize my economic resources. That's what my mother told me. That's what she taught me, and I always stick by that model. So instead of seeing a Dak Prescott situation, when you're overpaying for average, why not, you know, get Baker Mayfield when he's cheaper so you don't overpay for average? Because they could have saved a whole lot of money, the Cowboys, by paying Dak Prescott earlier. So it's one thing to pay top dollar for somebody like Lamar Jackson because we all know what Lamar Jackson is. He's an MVP of the league. I don't mind paying top dollar for him. I just would mind paying top dollar for Baker Mayfield because I don't think you should be paying top dollar for average. So I would take care of Baker Mayfield. But as far as who I believe in more as a quarterback, and if I had to choose as a GM who I would want to have on my team, it would be Lamar Jackson. Before and you go into that, could I just go back to Baker real quickly? Because I just have a ahead. couple points. I want to bring up. So when it comes to Baker, here's my thing. It's easy to say that now, but let me bring up a couple names. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and Jimmy Garoppolo. What do those three guys have in common? It's that early in their career with their team, they looked good. Jared Goff got the Rams to the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz was on the verge of winning an MVP. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, w looked really good his first year uh, as a 49er before he tore his ACL. He's making $26 million a year. Carson Wentz making $20 million a year. Jared Goff uh, this year is making 10, but his contract gets higher and higher as time goes on. Don't you think there's a realistic possibility that if you're the Browns and you give Baker Mayfield a contract now that it could blow up in your face? Like, did he do enough to you last year to prove to you that he is definitely your franchise quarterback of the future, that you're going to pay him $20 million? Because that's my question. I mean, my thing here is, if you don't pay him now, and you roll with him, and you say, all right, prove, prove it to me, what if he doesn't prove it to you? 
what if y'all get to the playoffs, a deep playoff run? You don't have good draft stock. I mean, you don't have a good draft spot because you well, make the I'll playoffs. Tell you what, bro, if right? you don't, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna use assets to try to trade. I mean, why not? When you can get no, out of the if, way. No, I'll tell you what, bro. If you don't think that he's the answer, right? If what you say just happens, right? The Browns have a so-so year. Like, same exact thing as this past year. They make the playoffs but lose in the second or third round, and it's clear that they are not a Super Bowl team. I think they could follow a similar route what Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers did with Trey Lance because they. I think the 49ers realized that, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is not our answer. And I'm not saying Baker isn't. I'm just saying in that scenario that you just said, if Baker doesn't show me that he, any improvement or that he could – willing to put his team on the back a little bit this year i just want to see him make some better throws and be a little bit more uh, in control of the big games once again i'm not saying it's his fault but cleveland had one of the easiest schedules in the league last year i want to see them beat kansas city with a full strength patrick mahomes i want to see them beat baltimore in a big game you know what i mean and i just don't think baker mayfield has done enough to earn a contract yet I'm not saying that it's impossible for him to do that, but let's face the facts, bro. He's really had one good season, and Kevin Stefanski is that good of a head coach where if he sees some flaws in Baker and next year, like what's to say Baker you know, doesn't play well and Cleveland goes 8-8, eight and eight, I could easily see them trading up uh, early in the draft and Kevin Stefanski going getting his guy. I think that's how important this season is for Baker Mayfield. I really do believe that. My, my thing here is, is that the reason why I'm saying get it out the way now is because, first of all, Baker Mayfield showed improvement. And we all know I wasn't the biggest Baker Mayfield fan at all. But going from 21 to 8 interceptions, Ashley is in top three in QBR. If y'all look that up, y'all will see he's actually in, in a, an important stat. He's top three. So everybody look at Baker Mayfield and look at Kevin Skafansky, and they put this label on Baker Mayfield as he's a system quarterback. I think, yeah, you can argue he's a system quarterback, but his talents that he possesses is a little bit more than a system quarterback. His ability to run, his ability to make the throws on the <laughs> football field is a little bit more than your system quarterback. So I'm saying get it out the way because at some point you're going to have to either trade some assets or get another quarterback. You, you, in, a, you in win now. You in win now mode. When you say pay him now, though, are you committing to him for the next five years if he wants that? I would say four years. I would say four. I like four better well, than five. I don't, I don't like the commitment of five years. Well, then, you got, that's something you got to live with. But it's not guaranteed. Quarterbacks don't grow on trees. It's not guaranteed the moment you try to right, draft so, a quarterback right, so that you're going to get a quarterback. What I'm saying is, bro, if you're saying that the Browns should pay him, I'm not saying you're wrong. I would. I, what if, hypothetically... Baker Mayfield has a, 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 a solid year like he did last year. You I just don't think the Browns should be in a rush to pay him when they don't have to. That's all I'm trying to say. You, like you, you want to set them up as the same thing, the way how the Cowboys and Dak Prescott situation, how that happened. Do you, you think Baker Mayfield is as good as – do you think Baker Mayfield is as good as Dak Prescott? Because I don't – They're the same to me. I, I, I put Dak Prescott a little bit higher than Baker yeah. Mayfield, but not that much higher. Bro, Dak led the Cowboys to multiple division titles. Like, Baker Mayfield won a playoff game. Congratulations. Division guys. titles. Wow. And the NFC. I just think. Uh, the no, division I just, six, I just, week 17 to find out who won. Bro, ba how many career wins does Baker have? How many like, playoff wins did, did Dak Prescott have? A couple. That's it. Okay, but what had but teams. Like, all I'm trying to say is you can't compare the resume of Dak Prescott and Baker Mayfield and say, oh, they're, it's exactly the same because it's not. Dak Prescott deserved to well, get paid. It's, 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 a situation. 
It's a situation that Prescott been in the league a little bit longer than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield been in the league, what is it, three years now? The one year, he had a great year that year. In Fetty, people make it seem, listen, people people don't watch the game. I, I'm convinced. Because people make it seem like Freddie Kitchens was the, the B.O. Endo and Kevin Skafansky saved Baker Mayfield. Didn't this brother almost throw for 4,000 yards in his rookie year? All right, but all those games, bench? let's face it. Okay, okay, yes. He but, had a good year. He just had a okay, terrible yes, so, okay, let's face it, though. Let's face it, though. You, you can't just go by numbers, bro. You said it yourself. Are you watching the games? Bro, I watched the game. Yeah, like, hold on, hold on. was making hold the throws. The, Last year was, was a terrible was, year. Yeah, okay, he was, but hold on. The Browns, that first year at, that you're alluding to with Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinator, well, yes, Baker was good, but they were not winning games. The next year, right, when they brought in Odell Beckham, when Freddie Kitchens was the head coach, who they decided to hire, they put a lot of stock in Baker Mayfield and said, look, you were so good with Freddie Kitchens as your offensive coordinator. We're going to bring in this guy as the head coach. And the organization was just not run very well. The team was not ready to play. You remember Miles Garrett swinging his helmet? Like, what are we doing here? So uh, at the same time, I do think that is why Kevin Stefanski deserves so much credit because the culture of the Browns was of course, terrible. That's what coaches they do. Have, they've never you all know coaching is important. Is as important as the quarterback. Right, and I'm saying Baker Mayfield and the Browns' success last year was a result of that and not Baker Mayfield's play as quarterback. Listen, I think that Kevin Skafansky definitely made the job easier for Baker Mayfield. There's no underestimating that. But Baker Mayfield did not mess it up. All right, I think, matter of fact, you, you even said it yourself. They could be a little bit more aggressive with the play calling. Allow Baker Mayfield to make more throws. You have him where it's looking to the average eye as he's a system quarterback because you're running play action. Literally, play action, play action. We saw the same thing with Kirk Cousins. Very conservative. The pacifier is in the quarterback mouth. So, of course, everybody watching the game, oh, he's a system quarterback. We saw what Baker Mayfield was in year one when he came as a rookie. He wasn't a system quarterback. He was making the right throws. It's just that his year, his sophomore year, I don't know what happened that year. He had a terrible year. His interception ratio, right? But at the same time, we have to allow Baker Mayfield, I think, to get it out the way because at some point, you're going to feel you're in a situation where you either going to have to give up assets to get another quarterback in a win-now situation and, and when you could have just paid Baker Mayfield before instead of having to pay top dollar for him. That's all I'm saying. But as, in regards to Lamar Jackson, because I do want to highlight Lamar Jackson here, there's quarterbacks out here that I say, well, not me personally. I got to shout out Bucky Brooks. He has this line where he says that, you know, quarterbacks are either trucks or trailers. They either pull the team up or the team pulls them up. Lamar Jackson is one of those guys that he's a truck. He pulls his team up. And I do think that he deserves an extension. But I, I don't mind paying top dollar for Lamar Jackson. And plus you have Lamar Jackson, whose mother is going to be discussing the deal, not an agent. So if you, that's going to take time. And I don't mind it taking time because I don't mind paying top dollar for him because I know what he brings to the table. Everybody assumes that Lamar Jackson is going to be injury prone because he's a runner and he's going to be like Cam Newton when his legs fall off. He has nothing to offer. But people don't talk about his pocket presence. When guys, when there's chaoticness at the line of scrimmage, he's able to get out of that. He's able to have an escape plan. And we, don't un we underestimate how that opens up wide receivers. I think the play calling has to get better. Because the lanes are going to be open for wide receivers because this guy can move. So lanes are going to open up. Once the play calling get better, Lamar Jackson, is, he's going to take over the league. He's already taken over the league. To be honest with you, 
if he started the way how he finished last season, he could have been MVP again. And I think that he had, he's going to have similar talents. I mean, similar success this year. So I don't mind paying top dollar for Lamar Jackson. I'm focused on Baker Mayfield here because eventually, and yeah. we all know they both going to get paid, Zach. We all know they both going to get their contracts. Wait a second. What happens if Baker Mayfield isn't good this year? Then what do you do? If Baker Mayfield isn't is not possible, good this year. Though? Isn't that possible? It is possible. But I believe that Baker Mayfield will have some success. Bro, when OBJ came to that team, if it's a whole situation when you're trying to force the ball with a diva wide receiver. Because he's going to be back this year, bro. And, that, and that's the problem. That's mm-hmm. why I thought the Browns should try to trade Odell Beckham Jr. Because like Baker Mayfield plays did. more freely. I just wanted to make myself clear. I think the Browns, like are going to win the NFC North. I think Kevin's fancy is that good of a coach, but I just have a tough time right now based on all the evidence that I've seen thinking that it's possible Baker Mayfield could lead the Browns to a Super Bowl. I just have a tough time doing that right now based on what I've seen. My opinion could change. He's only been in the league three years. That could change. He could get better. Right now, I'm just giving you uh, my honest opinion on what the... uh, Sometimes you have to sit back, Zach, and come to terms with reality. I know I'm not going to be Denzel Washington of acting, bro. Trust me. I wish one day I could wake up and be like Denzel or Tom Cruise in acting, right? In Hollywood. Had the biggest movie roles and all that. But I know in reality, that's not going to happen. And you have to, as an organization, look and say, you know what? Maybe this quarterback is not going to win us a a championship. Not every quarterback is going to win you a championship. It's not going to happen. It's so hard to win the NFL. But can he get me to the playoffs? And can I put him in in a predicament where we can set him up for us, for him to take us to that promised land. You know, you, you have to come to terms with reality. At the end of the day, the Cowboys knew they were going to have to pay Dak Prescott. They knew they was going to have to do it unless they was going to sign in and, and trade him at some point. But it's not even guaranteed that the guy they traded for was going to get them to the, over the hump. They rated, they had to pay more for average. And they're going to regret that at some point. So why not take care of Baker Mayfield now? when his stock is not that high, right? Because now it's going to hurt you if he plays good regardless. If he plays good, it's going to hurt you unless he wins the Super Bowl. If he plays good, it's going to hurt you because you're going to have to pay more. And if he that it's going to hurt you. And if he plays bad, obviously that's going to hurt you too. So either way, you're going to be hurt. Why not get his deal done and get it out the way? Okay, one last question before we end this topic. So let's say you are the Browns GM because you're saying that um, if you're the Browns, you're just get it out of the way or face reality. And he comes up to you and says, I want like $25 million over the next four years. I want to make more money than Dak Prescott, than Derek Carr, than Carson Wentz, than Matt Stafford, than Deshaun Watson, than Jared Goff, than Ryan Tannehill, than Tom Brady, than Kyler Murray, than Patrick Mahomes this year. Are you giving him that money? I'm not get, I'm telling him kick rocks. But I don't think Baker May. Well, we, we have to see if Baker Mayfield is going to ask for that. But in that situation, I think Baker Mayfield. So, so what are you giving him then? Because because then if that's the case, I don't think Baker's even going to ask for a deal then. I'm I'm giving I'm giving him more. I'm giving him less than what his value is going to be once Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Bro, he's not taking it then. He's not taking. All right, it. then he won't be on the team. But in that situation, that's why you try to get a deal now. You because he's going to. You just said later, he's going to request more money. That's what's going to happen when the when Lamar Jackson gets paid and Josh Allen gets paid. Baker Mayfield is going to request more. That's what Dak Prescott did once quarterbacks value. When they started getting paid, Dak Prescott raised the ball. So right. in this case, if you don't pay Baker Mayfield now and try to get you know something in the $30 million range 
or whatever or something like that you're gonna have to pay more once lamar jackson right or but, Josh but, Allen gets think, paid. but don't you think if you're giving baker that money though right anywhere close to uh those guys you just named right don't you think that that means that this season is going to be a success for Cleveland. You can't see a situation where Cleveland doesn't play well next year and you're giving him that contract. And that's why I think giving him a contract now puts Cleveland in a tough, tough spot. Because if you pay him now and God forbid... pay him not- later... You still have Nick Chubb that got to get paid. You no, still got course. Denzel Ward that right. got to get paid. Right. You're in win now mode. You have to go all in and you have to hope that right, of you draft First you of think- all, the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield number one. There was other quarterbacks they could have taken. They took Baker Mayfield. So they have to assume that Baker Mayfield is good enough where they can compete in the playoffs with Baker Mayfield. And that's all you need is a shot to compete because not everybody's going to win the Super Bowl. That's just the reality. Not everybody's going to be the movie star. I understand that, but I understand that. But what I'm saying is, though, I'm just not sure if, based on what I've seen from his career, that I could commit to him for that much money for the next four years. And I think that if you tell if you tell Baker, right, okay, what are your expectations for the Browns this year? Get win the AFC North, right? Win a playoff game or two? Tell Baker. I think, I think they could get that the AFC again? championship game. Right, right. Okay, fine. If you tell Baker, if you do that again, the contract is yours, buddy. That's all I'm saying. If you do that again, if you're if you live up to the hype. The contract is yours. I'm not paying him without that deal on the table because he hasn't shown me enough. I think he needs some motivation. And I think Baker could benefit from that, by the way. He's the kind of player that could benefit from having a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. That is how he's been his whole life. This guy is a former walk-on, and he turned that into being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And I think if Cleveland says, look, Baker, you had a great year last year, but let's face the facts. We won last year. Partly because of you, but our coaching had a lot to do with it. Our running game had a lot to do it with it, and our offensive line had a lot to do with it. And all of those things are back. There's so, so sure. many things that could go wrong in a football season. We saw Dak Prescott waited. They waited with Dak Prescott. He got injured, tore his leg up, and they had to pay him with a 17-game schedule. Knock on wood. I'm not wishing no bad luck on Baker Mayfield here on in the huddle. But if something happens to Baker Mayfield, right, then there's going to be pressure to try to pay this guy because it's going to be like, all right, who are you going to go after? You're not guaranteed to get a quarterback. That's not how the NFL works. You have to be in a, you have to have assets. You have to be in a predicament to draft a quarterback, have a spot to draft him. So we don't, I'm trying to say Zach is I'm trying to avoid paying top dollar for Bacon Mayfield when I could get him for cheap. That's all I'm saying is but, I'm going to have my economic resource for cheap based on what he's accomplished. Bro, like I said, he's not that bad. And and it's coming from a person who the last couple of years I've been questioning Baker Mayfield. Y'all know that. What but when I saw what I saw this year was improvement. And the stats show that in almost every statistical category, the brother has improved. Of course. And that's just wrong. what it is. You're not wrong, but isn't there a difference between showing improvement and being deserving of a contract that's $30 million? Isn't there a difference? Bro, we all know the quarterbacks that's getting paid are not deserving half of them of the money that they're getting. But right, it's but the quarterback least, market. Look at all the quarterbacks that have gotten paid. Haven't they accomplished more than Baker? Jared Goff led his team to a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz almost won an MVP. And I'm not saying Baker can't be better than both of those guys. But come on, like this guy has had has had one good season. Nope. You can't blame you can't blame me. You gotta blame the market. That's how the quarterback thing works. Guys are going to get paid. You want to shuffle quarterbacks every couple you know, of years? Dak Prescott in the regular season wins games. Baker Mayfield has only done that for one year. 
Bro, Dak Prescott been in the league for the last couple of years. Exactly. He was and inherited in a good situation with a running back in Ezekiel sure. Elliott that year. Dak Prescott has always had the surrounding cast to succeed, and guess what? It never translated to wins. At least making the field translated to wins last year. Last year, last year, last year in the regular season, they didn't translate the wins. They were one and four, and he was throwing for all them yards. But Baker Mayfield and, and, and um and the Browns made the playoffs last year. Did you see the Cowboys' defense last year? And did you see their coach? And I'm not a Dak guy either, but. We'll see. Yeah, but guess what? They end up having to give Dak Prescott the contract now. So they still ain't going to be able to fix that defense because they gave him that big contract right, when he could have knocked fault. it out the right, first year. Right, exactly. That's their fault. So hold I mean, on. A couple years before. Cleveland's uh, offensive line, right? They're off, uh, around the quarterback, right? I agree with you. I think 2-53, to 53, they're good enough to win. But I just think what happens if they're like the Rams, right? We could all agree that Sean McVay is a Super Bowl caliber coach. I'm going to say that this, Zach, because we had a time. That defense is really hard. That defense is really good. And it was proven that Jared Goff wasn't the right quarterback. I think that there's a realistic shot that that could happen with Baker if he doesn't succeed this year. Because we had a time, I'm going to just say this, Zach. We all know when you don't pay your dues, it comes. You know, the receipts come. The IRS do not play, right? You have to get pay your dues and pay it early. Don't try to do your homework when class starts. I learned that the hard way. Do your homework before, days ahead. And the, the Browns need to do their homework and pay Baker Mayfield and get it out the way because they're going to be backed up in the corner. They go, it's going to be so much things that can go wrong if you don't pay him now. And, I, and that's what I'm saying. Just get him out the way. Take care of the guy. Give him his contract. This way, he doesn't have to surpass Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen because he's not better than Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Now you got to get ready for the in case you missed it yesterday, with our top 32 quarterback list. Yesterday, we counted down 32 from uh, to 27, and today we are going to be counting down from 26 to 21. So, Will, I believe you started off yesterday. So, with that being said, I'll start uh, the honors off today with my number 26 quarterback. And, Will, this is actually right on cue because we have actually spoken a lot about this guy already on today's show. My number 26 quarterback is Cam Newton of the New England Patriots. It's a big season, man. I think Bill Belichick is convinced that he can win with this guy. I think that last year, pre-COVID, we saw that, okay, Cam Newton may not be the same MVP that he was a couple of years ago in Carolina, but he could still do damage in this league. Cam Newton is still probably one of the best running quarterbacks I've ever seen, him or Lamar Jackson. It's close, uh, but I'm a big Cam Newton fan. I'm a big believer, and I'm curious to see what he could do with this Patriot job, at least to start. I have him at number 26. At number 25, Will, this is a, a very interesting name that I'm curious to see uh, how you feel. I think that Jameis Winston leading the Saints could actually work. I think that him under Sean Payton and a coach like that, after sitting out a year in the system – learning from Drew Brees. I actually think the Saints could be a sleeper team for me this season under the direction of Jameis Winston. The reason why I have him at 26 is just because the last time we saw him play a full season, we know the amount of interceptions he's thrown. But I don't think him and Bruce Arians were ever really built to work together. Just when you throw the ball as much as Jameis does and you have a guy like Bruce Arians and his mindset of uh, you know risking it, throwing it deep all the time, I just think that was never bound to work. Now you have a coach like Sean Payton who really focuses on the little things, really focuses on the X's and O's and the fundamentals. I think Jameis Winston could work. I have him as my number 25 quarterback. My number 24 quarterback, I believe this is a name that you had on your list yesterday, uh, Andy Dalton of the Bears. I don't think he's that bad. I don't think he's great. 
I do think he's going to be the starter, but I think, uh, as we've both said many times, if Justin Fields and the team uh, just doesn't win, and if Justin Fields is lurking, the Bears fans are going to be want, wanting him to start uh, each and every day of the week. That could put Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and their jobs under a lot of possible scrutiny. So I have Andy Dalton as my number 24 quarterback. At number 23, another name that you had on your list yesterday, that would be Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions. I don't have him that low as you did, but for me, I had Jared Goff here because I don't think he's going to work in Detroit. I do think for the most part, Sean McVay did make him. But with that being said, he did get the Rams to a Super Bowl. And I will say with Jared Goff, like if you give him a running game, if you give him an offensive line, if you give him decent weapons, I think he could work. The problem with that is that he's on the Lions. And we know that for as long we've really as for as long as we've really uh, been watching football, that isn't a great strategy that usually works out. I have Jared Goff at number 23. At number 22, this is an interesting name. I'm gonna have Trevor Lawrence at number 22. And I didn't exactly know where to rank him because I think like by week eight, I wouldn't be shocked if like he's just one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. Like I think he's that good, but I just had trouble ranking a rookie quarterback over like some of the names. Like I just respect the reputation too much, but when you combine that with Urban Meyer, we haven't heard his name in the news since uh, we did a segment on him a couple weeks ago. I still don't necessarily believe that he's going to be working out in Jacksonville. I still am very, very, very skeptical. I think considering the history of the Jaguars organization, I wouldn't be shocked if it took Trevor Lawrence some time to win and succeed in Jacksonville. Having nothing to do with him, I just think that organization has run that poorly. I'll have him at 22. And at number 21, uh, I'm going to have Carson Wentz, man. Um, this is a guy for me that I've believed in. I'm, I've always been a Carson Wentz guy. Obviously, I'm not going to you know, sit here and BS it. He sucked last year, and he needs to be better. But I do think he will be better. Uh, I do think that the fit in Indianapolis uh, could work with Frank Reich. I think that he is in a real position to succeed with a good running game, with good weapons, with a good offensive line, with a good defense, with a good coach. And if Carson Wentz doesn't succeed in Indianapolis this year, he's never going to be a starting quarterback again. I think the division is very winnable with uh, Jacksonville and Houston there. Those are going to be two of the worst teams in the NFL. I'm looking forward to seeing what I could get from Carson Wentz with a change of scenery. I have him at 21 to recap my list. Cam Newton at 26, Jameis Winston at 25, Andy Dalton at 24, Jared Goff 23, Trevor Lawrence 22, and Carson Wentz 21. Well, for starters, I would say I have Jameis Winston a little bit more higher. I'm not going to give out, you know, where until that until we get to that point. But I have him a little bit higher um, than you do because I, I still think that he's a, he's a he's really a talented quarterback. You know, he just has to polish up those interceptions. If he does, oh, yeah, I really do have him higher. And I do think he will be higher being coached by Sean Payton and not Bruce Arians who forces you to take risks. But nevertheless, I'm going to start here at number 26. I'm going to stay in New York and go with Daniel Jones. Um, look, listen, I, I have him ranked over Zach Wilson simply because I have to see Zach Wilson on the football field. I do believe he's going to be a good quarterback. I'm really in the middle when it comes to Daniel Jones. I see potential in Daniel Jones, but I also see inconsistency with Daniel Jones, a guy that doesn't protect the football like he should. You know, I think he should go around practicing holding babies a little bit to make sure he know how to hold something, you know, because, you know, you better not drop those babies, brother. You know, so I think he needs to do a better job of protecting the football. But I do see potential 
And I think that the Giants literally gave him a squad. And if he can't be good with this squad, then he's not a good quarterback at all. You have guys like Kenny Galladay, who had a breakout year last year. Um, you got Benjamin over there. You got Rudolph. You got Ross. You have Saquon Barkley, who I still believe he can play. You know, so he has to be good this year. He has to be somewhat good. And if he's not, we all know where he's going to be next year. And that's on LinkedIn, looking for a job. So I'm going to go with Daniel Jones at number 26 here. At number 25, I'm going to go with Tua Tagovailoa at number 25. I have him ranked pretty low. And I still have hope for him. You have like him ranked said, than I do. <laughs> yeah, higher than you do. Um, Look, he had an injury last year. He had a, a hip surgery last year. And it's not an easy thing to do within a year. It's to play quarterback in the NFL. And there's a lot of limitations with an injury like that. But I do believe they did a good job in the draft building around him, giving him Waddle, a toy to throw the ball to, and just having a good offensive line, a decent, not a decent, a very good defense, underrated defense at that, a good coach in Brian Flores. I think that he's in a good predicament where he should be able to succeed and try to make a playoff push. And I, I just feel like, though, you know, I think that he was overrated a little bit. I don't think he's that quarterback that we thought he was going to be as far as, you know, taking over the league and being a top 10 quarterback. I think that he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback, but I do think he can still play quarterback and win and get to the playoffs. I just think the playoffs is to, to a ceiling. So I'm going to go with 25 to a tug of a lower. At number 24, I'm going to go with Big Ben here at number 24. Um, Look, he can throw for 4,000 4, yards, 5,000 yards in the Steelers offense. But at the end of the day, bro, I saw last year, the brother looked like he had a hospital gown on in the pocket. He didn't look that great. I think that, Mike Tomlin is not as great of a coach that he was um, before. I think that, you know, he has to adapt a little bit to modern times. I don't like taking a running back when you don't have no offensive line to protect it. And I can kind of see, or protect him, excuse me. And I can kind of see a situation where we see some of the some of the situations we did last year with running the football. I still think that's going to exist. And that's going to make the, the defense know how to play you when you're throwing the ball short and all that. So, look, Big Ben, I think that he is declining. He's not the same guy that can be able to create out of the pocket and get out of the pocket and make throws. I got him at number 24. At number 23, I'm going to go with Derek Carr from Oakland. I think that, you know, he's a solid quarterback, but I don't think he's the answer for the Raiders. At the end of the day, I don't think it's going to translate the wins. And part of my rankings is, yes, your numbers and the yards and the touchdowns, but it's also wins too. And I don't think that, you know, the Raiders are going to be in this division. I actually think they're going to be the last team in this division. I like the Broncos. I like the Chiefs. And I damn sure like the Chargers as well. So I'm going to have Derek Carr here at number 23. At number 22, I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins at number 22. Y'all already know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. You know, I don't think he's a great quarterback. I do think that he has the arm talent. I just don't like his decision-making. But um, he still has a good team. He still has Delvin Cook. And he played good last year. I'm not going to lie. He did play good towards the back end of last year. But I just don't think that he's a guy that can win you big games. And I know some people may say, well, he won a Monday night game last year. You know, he made the playoffs the year before and beat the Saints, you know. So some of the things that people are saying that he can't do, which is win in the prime time, he's starting to do that. Wow, okay, give me one. Give me two. All right, cool. That's whoop de doo I'm impressed. He's still a decent quarterback as far as his intangibles. But um, I, I have him at number 22. I don't think he's any bigger than that. I don't think this is a guy that can get you deep in the playoffs and you could win with him. I really don't. I'm going to have him at 22 
Kirk Cousins that is. I do like the fact that he has that monster out there in Jefferson, bro. He had a good year last year. I think that can help his production as well. So that's why I have him higher than what I initially wanted to put him. It's because of um, Jefferson right there. At number 21, I'm going to go with Cam Newton to close out my 26 to 21. And that's because I still think that he can play. I think he will start. Even though we had a debate earlier about, you know, Mac Jones and who we think is going to win and what percentage we give Mac Jones, I still think, and I said before, that Cam Newton will win this job. And I think that he has enough weaponry to be able to have some success. Because, yeah, it may not be the most talented roster, but with Josh McDaniels, you give him two tight ends, he can be able to mix and match and line them up in different places on the football field and be able to work. Anything better than last year will work and will be an improvement for Cam Newton. Anything better than last year. Year two of Josh McDaniels' system is another year for him to learn the offense and to be able to have some familiarity with more weapons at his disposal. So I think Cam Newton is going to show some flashes. I don't think he's the same Cam Newton, obviously. He's not going to be a MVP Cam Newton, far from that. But I think he's going to do a serviceable job for the New England Patriots next year. And I have Cam Newton at number 21. So to recap my list, at number 26, I have Daniel Jones. At number 25, I have Tua. Number 24, I have Big Ben, Small Ben. At number 23, I have Derek Carr. Number 22, I have Kirk Cousins. And number 21, I have Cam Newton to round out my 26 to 21. Wow, so I have one big takeaway from that. I gotta say, dude, I think you're being super disrespectful to Derek Carr. Like, I've never been a huge believer, but, like, he was really good last year, man. Like, he had 21 touchdowns and nine interceptions. When I judge quarterbacks, the two sets that come to mind for me in terms of evaluating, because, you know, like, a, a lot of people are going to look at yard total yards. A lot of people are going to look at passer rating. But for me, I say it all the time, the two stats that I look at the most uh, in terms of evaluating quarterbacks are completion, uh, completion percentage and yards per attempt, because that shows me how far you're willing to throw the ball and how efficient you are uh, throwing the ball. And when I look at those two numbers, Derek Carr was 10th in the league in completion percentage last year, 67.3%. And in terms of yards per attempt, he was fourth in the league at about eight yards per game. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm not all about the stats. I'm not just going to blindly use stats to back up my argument. Like, he outdueled Patrick Mahomes in a big game last year. He almost beat him twice. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I believe in the Raiders. I don't think they're better than Kansas City. I don't think they're going to be better than the Chargers. But I don't think it's because of the quarterback. If I'm an NFL team... I would want Derek Carr as my quarterback in, in 2021. I have him, not to ruin anything, I have him pretty high on my list, and I'm super surprised that you have him below guys like Kirk Cousins, who you have came out on this show and told me, like, you don't like. You just ripped Cam Newton. Like, Derek Carr was one of the 10 best quarterbacks in football last year. I really believe that. Well, the reason why I have him low is because, I mean, other than Kirk Cousins, which could have been flip-flop either way, I feel confident about how I feel the success as well, like I do believe he can throw for, you know, 4,000 yards, you could say. But based on the success and situations, I feel good about the don't next quarterbacks that I have in my list. Well, look, look, at the end of the day, Zach, you go, you just going to have to wait. you just going to have to wait to see who the guys that I have above him is. And now, like I said, like, I'm looking I, at the list right now. Yeah, oh, I no, love no. my guys that I got ahead of him. Right, right. Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just talking about Carr. Like, I, do you think he could win with another coach? Because I would be 
a thousand percent in on him. If I'm like a team that is a quarterback away that needs a quarterback that, but that has a good, like that has a good roster. Like I am a, I'm a believer in Derek Carr. I am. I know he's not perfect. I think he's okay. I think he's okay. At the end of the day, I don't think he's nothing special to rave about. He's not, but all I'm saying is last year, the the season he had last year, I think you're ignoring it. Like you're going to put him. I I know. I know it exists. I just believe in 2021, that I, I think that he's the worst quarterback in his division, other than you could argue the Broncos. But I think he, he's going to be the worst Wait, team. What? You're, you're, you could argue. Derek Carr played in 16 games last okay. year. I'm saying that the Raiders are going to be the last what? team in his division. And like I said, my quarterbacks that I have, you can argue with me once you hear these quarterbacks, and you can sit there and you can tell me, all right, you feel that this one should have been lower, and we can debate why. But right now, I like my list. The AFC got than, better, you like you, like you always Cam alluded Newton. to. Wait, you think Matt Jones is, could, has a very good chance of being the Patriots starter, but then you're telling me that you have Cam Newton above Derek Carr? What? I said that Cam Newton is going to win the job. The battle itself has nothing to do with but this you just list. Spent the whole segment Who wins the battle is what has something to do with this list. And I believe Cam Newton is going to have a better year than Derek Carr because he will have more success than Derek Carr. How many games do you expect Cam Newton to play, though? I expect him to play the whole year if he wins the job. So you don't think Matt Jones is going to play a game? If, if Matt Jones wins the job, he will play every game. Whoever wins his job is going to play every game, I believe. I mean, yeah. By the way, to make myself clear, like just because I was defending Cam Newton to be the Patriots starting quarterback, I think that Mac Jones is going to be the Patriots starter by like week six, week seven. I- I'm not 100% Cam could play anymore, but I think he's get- Belichick believes in him to be the starter at least. But to end the show, I, I guess I-, I think we're being super disrespectful to Derek Carr. I think he was phenomenal last year. Phenomenal. Yeah, y'all going to hear my list and y'all going to say, I understand, Lil. And guess what? I can't wait to keep it Kirk real. Cousins, <laughs> the guy that you just spent the last three weeks telling me how bad he was, telling me that Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are going to beat him out. You're telling me that's Bro. the guy you're taking over Derek Carr? Wow. I'm going to take. I'm going to take him over Derek Carr for this year because I like the Vikings' offense. Even though I don't predict they're going to win the division or come in second place, I do like their. I like their roster. You got the boy in Justin Jefferson. But don't you think he's problem- a thousand yards walking right there? Don't, you got Dalvin Cook. Play action. Um, Kirk Cousins has the talent, Adam Thielen, to be able to have success. I think that Kirk Cousins is in a better situation to succeed than Derek Carr, and you can't tell me otherwise. But when you watched the Raiders last year, what was their problem? Their offense or their defense? Bro, who is in a better predicament? Who is in a better situation, Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr? Uh, I would say Cousins, but it's not. Carr has there you weapons, go. And that's why, not, and that's wait, why I have Kirk Cousins. It's not that far off. Besides just Adam Thielen's a good player. Yeah, it's not that's why I have him right, right well, Kirk Cousins. I okay, don't have it that far off. Okay, it's 23-22, Kirk Cousins okay, and Derek Carr. Your, okay, but what's your argument, though? Like, why is Kirk Cousins going to be a better quarterback than Derek Carr? Why? I just literally told you. I because said because he has, because he has the better situation. Apart. He has a better situation and a better surrounding cast. And that's but why but I think not that much, better. and isn't Carr the better quarterback? Didn't you see last year that Carr balled out, and you've been telling me how bad Kirk Cousins has been? Bro, at the end of the day, I this is my projections going into this year. It's not about last year. Yeah, last year has an I effect. I just want to know what you're But at the end of the day, I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a better year. I'm basing this based on who I think is going to have a better year. That's who I think. Success-wise, record-wise, stat-wise. Tell me why is Kirk Cousins going to be – you said it, bro. Last year, Kirk Cousins was terrible, and you did not believe in him. Why is he going to be better this year? Why? Tell me. 
my brother, I just told you literally why. I, I but, like the yeah, weapons that he has around. You if you have weapons, you're going to be able to have success because you have the right weapons to throw the ball to. When Derek Dustin Carr Jefferson is a walking 1,000 yards. The brother almost cracked 2,000 yards last year, and he didn't play the first four games. So, of course, he's going to have success. That's why I have him ranked higher. I don't believe the Raiders is going to be even competitive in their division. The Broncos' defense is going to tear Derek Carr out the frame. The Kansas City Chiefs are a much better team, even though they won on last year. I still like Kansas City, that offensive line that they, they brought into, into the team. I like the Chargers. You know, he's going to have his opportunities to put up numbers. But numbers is not everything. It's not everything, especially on my list. Stay tuned. What a jam-packed show the last couple of episodes were. I can't wait to be back here chopping it up and debating with Zach like old times. Absolutely, man. And once again, the best part about this is it's only June 22nd. We still have the NBA playoffs, and then we still have about two months to really get into that football mode before the season kicks off. College football will be here uh, before you know it as well, and I'll be, uh, be looking forward to talking about it with you on In the Hub. Now you're pumped. You gotta get right.